0: you shouldn't take it as a mark of god's disfavor just the contrary it might be the very sign he loves you he shows his love not by helping you avoid suffering by sending you suffering by keeping you there to suffer binds you to something higher than yourself Higher than your own will takes you from the world to find what lies beyond it. We are not only to endure patiently the troubles these sends, we are to regard them as gifts. As gifts more precious than the happiness we wish for ourselves.
1: Welcome to Pivotal Film, I am Tom
2: Nolan And I'm Mario Ponzio And this is episode 45
0: Also known as the Joker episode Yeah,
2: it's gonna be (laughs) It's gonna be an intense one
3: As I try to just—they're twist-off
1: We we can't even open our bottles Oh,
2: are they twist-off? They
3: are well now I'm embarrassed yeah, That's alright Okay Wait, I, was, it's, I should have warned you To be fair
1: The voice you're hearing Is that of our friend uh, Chris Gardner
3: Hello I
1: went to school with him At UConn and, uh, Waterberry Yukon Waterberry And he's brought us uh, Cause we're gonna get Right into it Right? We're we gonna get right into it Yeah we don't uh, yeah.
2: Nothing Nothing to talk about Early October
1: It's a shipyard brewing company It's the pumpkin head mm-hmm. uh, We were gonna start Pumpkins eventually Like we promised our listeners We were gonna pumpkin it up And you just forced us to so. Well it's
3: a personal favorite Oh, okay. Of the season, um, I used them to pregame the Sellington Apple Harvest Festival this past weekend. All right, let's let's cheers to that. There you go. So that's a seal of approval.
2: Ooh, nice spice front.
3: Uh, like the little bubble pop. It's pretty good. Very drinkable, I would say.
2: Yeah, for like, it's not a super intense pumpkin beer. No, so it's just it, spicy. A lot one, of them are too much. It tastes know? like liquid pumpkin pie.
3: I, there's,
1: is there, a, like, a lager base to this? I don't know. I'm getting, like, a lager flavor. Yeah, this would,
2: be, this would be an ale, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Pumpkin heads are almost, like, pumpkin beers are almost always ales. Yeah.
4: All
3: right.
2: I don't know what I'm tasting, then. It's
3: one of the few pumpkin beers I find actually probably... uh, enjoyable, really.
2: Yeah. Like, some of them are really super intense. Mm-hmm. You're probably just tasting kind of like a maltiness background. So, like, the, yeah. like kind of like a breadiness to it. Mm. I guess pumpkin bread would be a better example, not, like, pumpkin Ooh, yeah, pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should get some of that for next time. Um, You're saying I got to get back into my baking where I baked for some podcast episode. I'll get you. I'll get you a
1: signature pivotal film apron. Excellent for this. Um, so yeah, we're here. We're ready for some jokering. Um,
2: you want to just? We want
1: to just do it. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's All throw right. the
2: fucking clip in.
1: Let's throw here is a, a trailer clip from the Joker.
0: You <gasps> <clears throat> please stop bothering my kid.
4: Sorry. Arthur.
3: I have some bad news for you.
4: <laughs>
2: this is the last time we'll be meeting. You
0: don't listen, to do you? You just ask the same questions every week. How's your job? Are you having any negative thoughts? All I have are negative thoughts.
3: And finally, in a world where everyone thinks they can do my job, check out this guy. When I was a little boy and told people I was going to be a comedian, everyone
4: laughed at me. Well, no one's laughing now.
1: The Joker. Or just Joker. Just mm. Joker. We'll mess it up again. Just Joker. Uh, is the pseudonym for a little bit of Arthur Fleck, played by Joaquin Phoenix. Arthur Fleck has, has a disease that makes him laugh, um, when, he is, when he's upset or, or, or nervous. And he's clown. He works for a, a clown Ta-ha's. service uh, that provides clowns for, you know, holding signs or going to children's hospitals. Uh, he lives with his mother, played by Frances Conroy, um... She's trying to get money from Bruce Wayne? Uh, um, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Bruce Wayne? Wayne's father, I believe. He's, it's going to be Bruce's money eventually. It's, well, <laughs> we could,
3: I love thoughts about that part. Arthur
1: um, Arthur's also trying to be a stand-up comedian. He's also very picked on. One day, while wearing his clown makeup, after getting fired, he shoots three guys on a subway train. Wall Street guys. Mm. Wall Street guys that also know the lyrics to... Send in the Clowns, all the lyrics, the mm-hmm. correct lyrics to Send in I the mean,
2: Clowns. I mean, it had been, like, what, 16, 18 years since that song had come out. So, you know, it's like knowing the lyrics to Oomba. No, not even. Knowing the lyrics to, like, Bye 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 <laughs> nowadays. What are the lyrics to Bye Bye Bye? Ain't no life. Bye but you only, Bye <laughs> Bye Bye. But you know, Don't like, know
4: six see, words. That guy really knew all know. the words
2: to Send in the Clowns. He
4: was
3: really into Send in the Clowns it, at one point. He had a phase. It, yeah, that's true. Wall Street.
1: All right, so... Um, then he becomes in a way the Joker. Joker sort of kind of he gets um, he does a stand up act that's really bad and that gets somehow on the air uh, of of Murray Franklin's late night show who
2: Arthur and his mother are both kind of obsessed with. Mm. Um,
1: Murray invites him on to the show and, and Arthur accepts and Murray doesn't make it to the commercial break hilarity. So ensues. I mean,
2: probably after the first like no, he makes the first couple commercial breaks. Yeah, he
1: doesn't make that last one. He
2: doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't get through the C block. He doesn't get to close that. Uh, he doesn't get to close out the show with his catchphrase. Joker
1: does it for him. Um, I mean that's kind of that's kind of it. I mean, what am I missing? I'm Missing the girlfriend experience there? Yeah. Um, the Zazie Beetz. The Sasha Grey movie. Just, <laughs> yeah.
2: We're gonna talk about the Steven Soderbergh film now.
1: Yeah, Todd Phillips really messed up. <laughs> um, you know I, I, What else I, What did I miss What did I miss Anything Plot wise um... of, of value no, Not particularly Okay No How do we want to do this How do we want to start this I had brought up to Chris in the car Maybe letting Chris start Yeah that sounds good Because I wasn't sure what you were going to say And you're not sure what I'm going to Well I'm pretty sure you probably know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm going to say I want to hear what Chris thinks of the Joker. Of Joker. Of Joker. Not the of, Joker.
3: Of not about the character, the movie. I okay. wanted
1: to say really first, I thought it was interesting, I don't know if you guys thought it was as interesting as I did, that there was no DC brand when the movie opened. You know, I
3: didn't even think about that. Wasn't there? No.
2: no wasn't. Was there, was was a, Warner a, there wasn't that DC
4: dark thing? Oh well, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: There was no, no was you're right. Yeah, Warner the old, the old early, early 80s was, Warner Brothers. That was a nice
3: touch.
1: But, but it, was, it was, um... I don't, go ahead.
3: Okay. Well, I I don't really know I felt I felt like maybe I don't know if the movie was knew what it was trying to say You know, because the hot topic obviously that we have to talk about surrounding Jokers the whole, you know, white male violence fantasy thing mm-hmm. you know, which I don't know if it knows where it landed in regards to that because much like The movie that this movie was trying to be Taxi Driver, there was the whole um, escape and through violence, the whole like you know orgasm of violence, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know when he's bringing the gun around and he's shooting it like he's jerking off or whatever you want to say about it. But the way it uses that, it almost tries to justify that violence through the whole element of class and social disparity. We do like to talk about class on this show, and I, social despair. I have noticed. That. We love, it. <laughs> and I, I love that too. You know, in my daily life, I like to harass people with those conversations. <laughs> so I just don't know if it was. It felt weird to me that it was. The movie seemed like it was trying to build up this man, Arthur, mm-hmm. as sympathetic, while also showing him as a um, sadistic murderer, obviously with severe issues. But at the end, he's like a regular old Fidel Castro. You know? <laughs> so I don't really know. Yeah. There's like three different ways they're trying to portray him. And they don't, they don't create an even portrait of, of, of a message. They don't create an even message, I guess is what I'm trying did, to say. Um, you know?
1: Did the movie work for you? Or did, it, were you, did you find yourself being impacted appropriately? Like, aesthetically?
3: Yes. I think the look worked for okay. me very well. I liked watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoyed watching it. I guess we'll say that just flat out. I enjoyed the the experience of watching the movie. Uh-huh. I think it worked for me. I think it hit well for me in everything except for what I just said about like the whole like idea. Mm-hmm. But just as a viewing experience, it really worked. And especially when it was just like like the scene in the apartment where he just fucking murders Randall with like the scissors. And he's like, what's the other guy's name? Uh, Gary. Gary, Gary. he lets Gary go. He's like, you were the only one who's ever nice to me, Gary. And that, when he's trying to like open the lock and everything and And he's just laying there in the blood. That really worked for me. I really enjoyed like the really grounded moments in this movie, you know? That was one of the the
1: only moments for me where I was, where I thought the ideas and the aesthetic kind of like mesh together. Yeah, yeah. Where it seemed like, um, because it was really awkward and it looked okay, it wasn't, it wasn't like too labored over, mm-hmm. like from a style perspective. Yeah. Um you got a little bit of character development, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's just kind of murdering in his own home. But mm-hmm. um I, 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 I like that scene. I thought Gary sold it. Oh, um, he really did. I thought Gary's fantastic. <laughs> Gary sold his fear. Yeah. Um although I don't think that Joker would be able to overpower the villain from true detective. No, definitely just one because he's so like, easily. He's like
3: a hundred and ten Oh, I'm soaking wet
1: there's yeah there's two true detective alumni in this one so you know that's pro that's who's your one Randall and movie. one of the, and the one of the
2: detectives Shea
1: Wiggum oh it was Shea Wiggum oh, yeah I can't remember if Shea Wiggum wasn't it he was the I was like the, was the, it the, Shea Wiggum or Bill Camp he was the preacher
2: oh okay right right right. all
1: right Mario huh, huh?
2: you go you go Huh? You go. You go. huh?
1: It's funny because I agree, I agree with you on pretty much all the like the narrative stuff you just said. Mm-hmm. My the word that kept coming to my mind when I was watching it was baggy. Mm. Like the movie feels so baggy because there's like a bag or there's like a an outer there's an outer thing, an outer fabric, an outer scrim, like whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. and there's nothing inside. Mm-hmm. So everything that's happening is Happening for no reason. Okay. And yeah. it <sighs> seems so. When we think of the Joker, we think of something very specific, and it's pretty much an image. It's an image, and yeah. it's a laugh, and it's a kind of chaotic evil. Um, that uh, it's sadistic. You know what I mean? There's like a sadism there. It seemed as the movie started kind of stacking up its narrative, its backstories the idea that he was you know, he wants to be a stand-up comedian that he's got a condition that makes him laugh, that he's got a job working as a clown that Randall at some point is like, you need to get a gun, here's a gun and that he just like has the gun you know what I mean, like all these things yeah. just kind of like pile up and you're just like well yeah, yeah. I guess that's yeah. uh, like a middle schooler's version of like how the joker would get created you know what i mean it's just just so it's all so weirdly obvious Mm -hmm. and i think it's and it's strange because there's no plot here the plot is essentially just like how he gets from arthur fleck to the joker there's all these little like plot points and in between those plot points are these like heavily improvised moments of of, like Joaquin Phoenix just doing some stuff like emoting on screen or like twisting his body. And I I feel like Todd Phillips is hoping that the aesthetic, um, like beats those moments into like a meaningful, uh, like not even just a meaningful film experience, like a meaningful cultural experience. Um, but it doesn't, because it's all so pat. It's all so formulaic. It's to the point where there's scenes towards the end of the movie that, like, don't need to be in there. Like, so and I'm not even talking about the scene where, like, Joaquin Phoenix walks down the stairs dressed as Joker. Fine with it. Until the two detectives just kind of show up at the top of the stairs and then chase him onto the subway. And then there's a bunch of Jokers on the train. And then someone gets shot. And then, like, Joker walks away. There's no real, and the only real, the payoff for that is that like when he's on the air later, uh, Murray says something about like, oh, there's a policeman got shot because of like all this other stuff, and he's just like, okay.
2: No, the the, uh, the guy dressed as the Joker got shot, not the policeman either just way, got the yeah. shit yeah. kicked and out like, of him. Either
1: way, like it doesn't. There's nothing that happens there that isn't something that we've haven't seen before already. You know what I mean? Like we see the Joker's are kind of uprising. We see the kind of pandemonium in the streets it's not like if they're saying that like this is the moment where like it escalates to other thing is a false fucking statement because then he shoots murray in the fucking head so seemingly (laughs) that doesn't need two escalations i don't know i don't think it needs two escalations i think it needs one escalation this movie continually it doesn't like what you said like it doesn't know what it's about and it's not about it's not about morals and it's not about um, uh, politically correctness. It's about just traditional narrative structure. Like telling a story, developing characters, moving the plot along, building tension. It fails at all of those things. And I think he's disguised those failures as like significant cultural questions. To the, but it doesn't make any sense because Arthur's like, well, I don't care about anything. And then the film is supposed to be nihilistic also. But he Arthur, when he's sitting with Murray, brings up all of these political issues mm-hmm. that are personal issues for him. But they're also political issues because they relate to the people outside. I know he doesn't care about those people, but those people outside care about those people, which makes it a political thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the script is just so, like... Trying to do all the things all the time, and while simultaneously not really doing much of anything, and so all those cool Joaquin Phoenix gyrations, you know, like all the arms. The only good parts
3: of the movie, you mean? Yeah.
1: But like, what are they for? What are they doing? I don't understand what they're doing. It's it's it's. I guess it's supposed to be like a becoming experience, like you know, if you're a big Thomas Harris fan, you know, (laughs) is to becoming the Red Dragon. Um, but is he? Or is it just cool? I mean, it looked really fucking cool, yeah. but I don't know. Uh, narratively, I'm not sure why it was there. I'm. I. It's hard to interpret your face, man. I don't know. What, <laughs> I don't know
4: what it's saying.
2: Todd Phillips discussed the opening sequence and construction on Vanity Fair, um, stating that early on in production, before they even produced the film, he he gave the script to Hildur uh, Gunnadottir, the composer. So that she could compose
1: the
2: score <laughs> for the film. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I believe that she she could compose she, yeah, the s- yeah. c- the score for the film before it even started production, and that the tear you see on Joaquin Phoenix's face as he stares at the mirror was Im- just impromptu. He was had a tear from just the music itself in the living moment. He then goes on to describe. You know Lawrence Shearer's cinematography and how he worked closely with the cinematographer to frame these shots, including when he, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is getting beaten, mm-hmm. um, you know, by by the kids in the alleyway. That he framed By the it eth- exactly. Nick Tuffs. Mm.
3: There's. Mm.
2: <laughs> he framed it exactly as though you would see in a graphic novel, and that it wasn't necessarily meant to be a film experience in that moment, but to exude the style of the graphic novel. Mm-hmm. And that when you see Arthur on the ground, there has the pressed clown plays. Uh, that score kind of grows, and Joker flashes on the screen sure in large is. letters. Yeah. That the title card was purposely granulated at the edges in order to evoke a sense of 1981 film.
3: Mm-hmm. What's the thing you can say? And then that. I
2: realized Todd Phillips fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and that this movie has no redeeming values for me, mm. even including the Joaquin Phoenix performance. Mm. It is so patently flat of a performance because of the fact that the film it's surrounded by is flat. Last year we got Lynn Ramsay's You're Never Really Here, a Joaquin Phoenix film that deals with the same issues of mental illness and you know and confronted with extreme violence. Uh-huh. That film is slight, it is thin, it is razor sharp. This is a bloated, miserable experience. This I- is a film that weighs and ebbs and just stays at this consistent level of nothing
1: here's what i would say though i didn't even have a miserable experience i was just i didn't care by the end of the movie i was just kind of like who gives a shit
2: if he escapes
1: or doesn't escape like who who fucking cares do you know
2: why i felt miserable during this i don't care about this film because there are such structural integrity problems with Mm -hmm. this film there is moments where uh you realize that where he kind of enters Sophie's room, mm-hmm. and she says, "You're Arthur, right?" You, and you get the the clear focus and understanding that you know he's never had these conversations with her. Right, that right. you know that all that's in his head. That you, you know, building on the unreliable narrator. Then Todd Phillips, you know, shows you all that shit. Yeah, shows yeah, you that she's bad. missing.
1: I wrote that here. So my question about that scene was: so this whole movie is except for the that scene and from the scene where. Thomas Wayne is killed and Batman is made are told uh, like 100% from like, Arthur's perspective. You know what I mean? Does Arthur know that he's not been talking to her or does he not know? Because I don't know if it's clear whether he knows and or that's, not.
2: I don't, I don't think... It's clear because I don't think Todd Phillips knows if it's well, clear because it, it raises such questions about what is and is not happening. But it's
1: indicative of the problem of the movie is that he's just kind of like, well, I'll do this and that'll be cool and then I'll do this and that'll be cool and then I'll do this and that'll be just like Taxi Driver and then yeah. I'll do this and
3: that'll be or, just
2: like. How about, how about that great shot where it's like, hey, we're going to pull out from Murray being shot and oh, look, it's a network, you know, kind yeah, of Yeah, how did that
3: happen? I don't know.
2: Because he thought he was making that work, it's just.
1: But uh, so I so the Walking Phoenix performance I think is really interesting, and I definitely want to go back to your, whatever you were just gonna say, Um, because to that end, all of the stuff that he's doing, all like the Walking, he's just Walking Phoenixing all over this movie. Hell yeah! It's super necessary because he didn't give, he just gave him a series of um, backstory traits and was just like, well, just do this. Just, you know, oh, am I Thomas Wayne's son or am I adopted or whatever? It doesn't, doesn't matter. Just do the thing. Do mm-hmm. the oh, do the arm thing. But why am I doing that? Just do it. It's cool. Just do the arm thing. So I felt, I also, like, if I was making my list tonight, I don't have five actors that I really liked, like, this year to put on, like, a best actor list. Joaquin Phoenix would 100% not be on that list. No, absolutely. It would be four, blank space, and then... Several more blank spaces in it. And I don't think he was necessarily bad. I just don't get it. It was in service of nothing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so it for... just felt really empty and just, just dumped on I mean, the screen. Juan
2: King Phoenix is never not doing some decent work. And I think mm. this is a, a decent performance. I was surprised that actually I thought Robert De Niro was... So, like do it trying to do some work here yeah, for some reason. good. I was yeah. I, I was really confused. I was like, you finally decided to turn it up for this movie? Well, he found like a little bit of empathy,
1: like laying under a couch somewhere, and like brought it to the set one day, and the like, kind of like shone through. So when like Mark, or maybe he's Maron...
2: still like an Irishman mode or something. Maybe it's
1: really inspired by that. <laughs> so, movie. Yeah, when Mark Maron and him are just like talking to uh, to Arthur, and he's like Joker, and Mark Maron's delivering lines, just. To nobody. Just kind like, of like phoning it. him in, and Arthur's kind of just like, I don't care about anything. Could you, except that I want you to call me Joker? I, I do care about that because you call me Joker, right? And yeah, you can feel De Niro kind of trying to work himself into feeling mm-hmm. bad or interesting. He never even or, does
2: like a De Niro face, like that side eyed face thing he always does. No, he
1: kind of turns his whole yeah. body
2: yeah. towards him when
1: he's that was, fighting.
3: That was odd. He um, was a little De Niro during the actual scene where they were in the talk show. Yeah, but and he, he was, was a little
1: He was he was De Niro-y because I don't think he can not be De Niro, but no. he was also he it was clear he wasn't sure what he was supposed to be standing up for. I wasn't sure what he was standing up for either. And not narratively, but like Oh, he
2: was standing up for the fact that this movie wanted to play it safe by saying that yeah, Joker's awful, but still say that all of the tactile points he's making are justified and moral still. That the his his The way he expressed it was wrong, but the feeling was right.
1: Which brings me, I think, though, to the Anthony Lane review, which is he made a point of saying, like, all the things that everyone's getting so worked up over, like, you just can't because it's not not a work of art. It's a product. And that is mm. evident in, like, the Batman, the inclusion of, like, the like, Batman Yeah, what the stuff. fuck? Do
2: you, do you really want to know the reason that this movie made me mad? And, it, like, I had to walk out for a bit just because I was so angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. audience was so engaged with it. This is now the ninth highest rated film on IMDb. Like, audiences are seeing this movie as a piece of art. Like, because they're not used to something trying to do this, so something... they're fucking losing their mind. So, and it's so... like they're seeing, like, the most facile, easy way of doing this. Here's what
1: I would say about this, and we're going to talk about a movie that did this to me in like 20 movies, or whatever it is. You know, next, in 2020, in the middle of 2020. Ernest Scared Stupid? Ernest Scared Stupid, no, no, no. No, no uh, Major Pain. Oh, we're right. We talked about this before. Um, and I'm, I, you know, so if you're, putting a, if you're putting your guessing Tom's list together, I'm going to give you an answer here. There's a lot of this stuff that reminded me of Fight Club. And from a messaging standpoint, do you know what I mean, where it's just uh people that feel that they're supposed to feel that they're disaffected, goes into a movie, has somebody screaming at them, you are disaffected because of all these look, you hit check all these boxes, you must be disaffected, and those people who've not really ever thought of anything before, and that's how I was and when I was seventeen years old, I hadn't really considered life outside of you know going to band, you know what I mean? Like, drinking a Heineken on a golf course or a Rolling Rock, you know, at... At the same time? At midnight. Mm. We drank... We had, lavish. We <laughs> drank a lot of green bottles when I was in high school. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? When, like, I hadn't thought of life outside of any of those experiences, Fight Cub comes along, and it was like, well, you're just all... You're just, you know, you're not your TV. You're not your, your product, CD. Man. And I'm just like... 17-year-old Tom Nolan was just like, whoa! Like it changed my fucking life. I can see that same type of shit happening here. The difference is that David Fincher is an amazing filmmaker, and has little, narrative
2: consistency, who has narrative yeah. consistency, and visual who consistency.
1: Understands how a metaphor works. Who understands how symbolism works. Who underst- unfortunately
2: he adapted a Chuck Palahniuk book, but that's beyond the point.
1: Because well, Chuck, <laughs> um, Chuck Palahniuk doesn't, understand how those things work. So David Fincher took it and was just like, all this stuff can go. I can use this. Um, Chuck Palahniuk and Todd Phillips remind me a lot of each other they're just <laughs> provocateurs but but to that end and I will give Chuck Palahniuk credit because I was listening to an interview where he was talking about this in his new book he was saying that like a lot of the value systems that he bases new book off of which is a kind of like dystopian post-Trump future where we've divided the country into um, its basis most base component parts like so races and, and there's a place called Gaysia and a place called Caucasia and
2: um whatever, doesn't matter does it all end in asia no just those
1: two there's okay. only three there's those two again it's oh, chuck well, Pol- like. but <laughs> chuck pollock was saying that like his thinking about this stemmed from this german philosopher who did all this research saying that like great moments in or not great moments but like major moments of cultural flux in lots of countries have occurred when there was um way too many men like in the culture I'm not saying that I buy it. I'm not saying that it's accurate. I'm not saying anything about it.
2: What philosopher was that? He was a German philosopher. Not Heidegger. Been no, Heidegger no, no, no. He was,
1: he was a, a modern one. Okay. Um, so it was like post-World War II stuff. Right. The point is that like, this very suspect idea, which he put in this novel, was still based on thinking. Was still based on theories and ideas. You know what I mean? This movie is based on nothing. It's based on like going on Twitter and seeing what people are kind of mad about, and then making a whole movie about it. And then assuming that people are really going to be mad about it. My fear with this movie, and it's not like a real fear, is that people are going to be like, I wasn't mad about anything, but I've decided now I'm mad about this. My $100,000 a year job is really not cutting it for me. I must have more money. And I'm not going to shoot somebody in the head... But I'm just gonna be a dick until somebody gives me 120,000. Yeah, and it was
2: weird because the point it ultimately makes is like not even one of nihilism, but one of like abject kind of hedonism, and it's a weird point to in the end make. Like it's just like do what feels good, and that's kind of like the right way of going because everyone yeah. lives by that kind of like, motto in this. That's like doing any sort of success, even Arthur to an extent. Well,
1: I mean, here's the question: Does nihilism equal burning cars? Like. I don't know. I think kind of like there's a lot of nihilists out there. They're, are they all burning cars? No, they're... They should be.
2: <laughs> they're sitting in a corner drinking coffee and just going, whatever. We're stuck in this loop over and over again, there's I guess.
1: A, there's a clown rally outside. Do you want to
2: go? No. I don't really care. Yeah, what's matter. the point of that? I'm just going to listen to this record. Nihilists are probably listening to a lot of records.
1: They probably do. Really? They probably buy a lot of A lot, of, a lot
3: of Joy Division. There are a lot of Joy Division.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I love Will us apart. <laughs> I feel strongly about that.
2: Really quickly. A lot of people are, are giving acclaim and I guess Chris okay, you did this too, acclaims of cinematography and I just really want to disagree with that. Never have I so much noticed a film cinematography and just been angry by it. You mm. cannot center all of your fucking shots.
1: Well there's a couple of moments that I was like, Woo, that really works. Mm. So but, there's a couple of where? like There's a couple we're, of scenes that first bathroom scene, a couple of camera angles yeah. that I was like, Well
3: that is dark. That was dark. That shit. dance scene, you mean? That was really not the whole thing.
1: But there was like a couple of parts where he like tilted his head back, and it, like the mm. way it was lit was kind of was very provocative and very dark. See, I,
2: I think I don't think that's necessarily the cinematography. I think I think that's has really solid production design. Like the work done on like the production design of this film is is great. Mm-hmm. Like it, it in no way ever kind of feels like a fraudulent period of time. It does one hundred percent feel like early eighties, late seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Has that good dinginess to it, but like. Nothing in terms of the lighting, nothing in terms of, of what I'm looking at in the shots ever did anything for me. And it's because, except for the fact that I'd go like, oh, this is another shot where it's centered.
4: Mm.
2: The only time there was a slightly interesting shot is when you see him dancing, right, as he's before he's going to Murray's. And you see the two cops in the far background before they even show you the cops. I'm like, I bet you those are the cops looking at him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you don't have to show the co- You don't have to. You showed the cops. Arthur, oh, now we're making a chase scene. Arthur, this.
1: we need to talk to you. Because I thought that
2: was... Why? Like, there's, like Why? the thing that... Why didn't
1: you just take me before?
2: The thing that frustrates me is is there's so much work that could have been done with the unreliable narrator there. Yeah. In the sense of if you just saw the two cops in the background and you get rid of that chase scene and he dances away, but you never see them in clear vision, it kind of gives you a, a thought of like, oh, does everything that happens afterwards even happen? Or is he arrested there? You know, mm-hmm. like, because cool, you're kind of yeah. left like thinking when the entire city's rioting. I was at the time going like, oh, is this also another instance of the unreliable narrator? Because then he's in jail right afterwards.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like my whole thing was, so like Randall's like,
2: oh, you got to get a gun. People
1: are monsters. We saw those kids, ethnic Tufts. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll call the episode Ethnic Tufts. Um, Maybe you're not. They beat, <laughs> they beat up the Joker, and there's a garbage strike. We see there's two things we know kids beat up Arthur, and there's a garbage strike. Is and strip like, clubs. And strip clubs.
2: Lots of strip clubs. Is they're
1: inherently so much violence. You know what I mean? Like, I thought the whole idea of this thing was that. Like, of like the uprising, what is that? It wasn't like the downtrodden per se, like the like the the destitute. It was like the morally, like the morally fatigued. And it must you not be. I mean? It wasn't it like about yeah. it wasn't about like wealth disparity. It was about like you're overlooking my mental health needs. Yeah. And so, but it's only there for like 30 minutes. And
3: so now we're gonna no, we gotta yeah. the
2: social services being cut part, huh?
3: Oh yeah, very subtle. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it must not be that terrible because, like, three Wall Street guys are just you know in a subway late at night. So the city must not be that bad. Yeah, they
1: seem
3: pretty confident. Yeah,
2: they were the they were the assholes in that. Well, in not even that, but
1: that girl who was clearly from like 2018, who they were throwing French fries at, <laughs> who was not dressed in
3: period costume. No. I'm sorry, she was dressed <laughs> in like I see
1: people that look like that all the time.
3: They pulled an extra off the street that day, you know. <laughs> no, we just can't. Oh, this this whole set is men. We're not being no more wokeness. It's a man set. Can we talk about for a minute how there was a very clear decision to use a lot of minority actors and actresses, shall we say, in very specific roles exclusively? Yeah. And and how this white man became the voice of all the poor downtrodden people of color. Just that like, seems like an interesting choice to me, uh, the year of our Lord 2019. Yeah,
1: but that's and that's I,
2: think that's. I don't even know if that's a choice. I think that's just Todd Phillips not even realizing what he's doing. Well, I
1: think he probably made it. It's, it's like a, a surface level choice. It, I think he probably said, "You know what be cool, Joaquin. Put some race in here." Or however if Todd Phillips talks. I don't know how he talks. That sounds was. You like, know what's cool, amazing. Joaquin? We'll put a race in here. <laughs> Is that how he talks? I don't know. I'm trying to imagine how Todd Phillips talks.
2: He I just guy imagine that directed a road trip. He kind of just. He sounds like. A boring Brett Easton Ellis, to be honest.
1: Oh, Jesus. Um, And what he's like, yeah, we should... You know, I trust you and Scott Silver, who actually is not, like, a terrible... You know, it doesn't have terrible credits to his name, to, like, do some good writing here. Now he does. And then, what? Now he does. Now he does, yeah. I don't know. He's probably going to get an Academy Award. No, there's there's a Hollywood
2: Reporter article about how some voters are just even refusing to watch this movie. Good. And Um, Good, because they just... You know, can maybe watch, like, a small screener of, like, an indie film that didn't catch. Maybe they could watch, like, the Souvenir Screener. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the Highlight um, Screener.
1: Oh, yeah, they watch the Highlight Screener. But yeah, I just think it was, like, it's, like, surface... All the ideas are so surface level. Just, I, I just... I, I, I saw that the two days later, I saw the Judy Garland movie. And even that movie, I was like, there's so much more affecting it's so much more meaningful and i'm not even sure what the hell is happening here I don't know anything about judy
2: garland somebody right now got really excited thinking we're gonna go right into that review
1: no i'll be next week um <laughs> but like i don't i you know nothing happens in that movie she sings some songs but i found myself like tearing mean, up in it you know what i mean like i was moved by the the flow of the narrative and like all this other stuff it had a payoff there was tension built and then it paid off None of that stuff happens here. It's just like a bunch of things that happen, and then he shoots Robert uh, Robert De Niro. you then... you gonna say Robert Redford. I was gonna say Robert Downey Jr. Oh, um,
3: mm. which would have been that would have been a better movie. Harvey oh,
1: just Downey kept Jr., shooting then... all like the Roberts. You know what would have been funny though, and actually it's interesting that I said that. Good gold star to Tom. Like <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. has a history with Todd Snyder or Todd Phillips. Todd, Todd
2: Phillips. Phillips, make that from due date.
1: <laughs> yeah, make that movie.
2: Zach Galifianakis can play the penguin.
1: Oh, yes. now that's a choice. <laughs> I'm in. We're all in. Yeah, I'm down for that. <laughs> uh, between two ferns, three. It's just Joker remade with Zach Galifianakis as the Penguin walking around and
3: Robert Downey Jr. You missed the obvious between three ferns, but go on.
0: <sighs> I quit.
3: This is uh, Tom Nolan signing off from Pitholeville. Bill. <laughs> will
1: forever be replaced by Chris Gardner, who comes up with really good Zach Fallick, Galifianakis movie title ideas. Um, all right, anything else?
2: Yeah, just. Don't waste your time. Honestly, it's... I'm like, I'm, I'm getting bummed out that I keep like all these reviews that we've been doing lately. It's just me saying, "Don't see this movie." Mm. Like, I guess you never should say that, but like, your expectations should just be in the gutter for this.
3: I mean, I had a good time because I smoked in the parking lot before I went in. So, if you want to do that and go, <laughs> go right ahead. I suppose if you did that, you should just go, you can go see anything. You can go see anything, yeah. But, I mean, uh, by that criteria. Accidentally
2: slip perfect. into a Gemini Man show. No, probably
3: don't do that. That's what I no, like That would actually
1: really work really well.
2: <laughs> actually, maybe. Yeah.
1: Anglia's going to be sitting out in front the of movie theaters distributing stuff. <laughs> it's a all racket. right. Uh, so, we will be right back with our number
2: 45s. Now, you're the one forgetting.
1: Is it forty-five?
2: Yeah, but you, you, you got a you gotta slip there. You're like forty-five. I wasn't sure. No,
3: some hesitation. All right, we'll
2: be
4: right back.
3: A
2: few weeks ago, I'm eh, wearing. A few weeks ago, Tom said that he saw a book on a shelf. A store? In a Bradley's. a a Bradley's. You know Bradley's?
3: International Airport. You know what?
2: You were probably not even born
1: when there was Bradley's. What's
3: the year, roughly? 93. I was born in 97. So, nope. So, that's a hard no on that. (laughs) If to date the audience.
2: It's also, this entire part of this is not going to touch at all either.
3: (laughs) Um, I think my experience is probably different than yours with this movie. Oh, it's very
2: much different.
4: (laughs) Uh, Didn't...
2: Connect with the book. Didn't really read Michael Crichton to spoil what this is going to be until after I saw this movie. Congo? I was really stoked for Congo. What the I did do was I'd get trade magazine, like movie magazines. maybe not trade magazines, but the entertainment weeklies mm-hmm. and the, you know, the, the magazines of the films and I would go through them and there was a picture of a dinosaur. and It was the first time I was ever really excited for a blockbuster. I was so thrilled for this film to come out for so long, and it comes out in June. That my parents, as my big gift for the Christmas before, bought me a pack of 20 movie tickets (gasps) to use throughout the year. Can
1: I remember those? Yeah. Those are great.
2: And I excitedly held on, didn't even see a movie until like March or April of that year because I was waiting for this film, Jurassic Park.
0: I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica, and I've spent the last five years setting up a kind of biological preserve.
1: What kind of park is this?
3: We've made living biological attractions so astounding that they'll capture the imagination of the entire planet. It's, it's
0: a dinosaur. There's no doubt our attractions will drive kids out of their lives. Grandpa! We're going to make a fortune with this place.
3: We're going to open next year. That is if the lawyers don't to kill me first. What species is it?
2: It's a velociraptor. I remember, I go into the theater, it's a it's a century theater in Las Vegas, it's the June 12th, because I had school on June 11th. I was, at that time though, being homeschooled, but my mom just didn't let me, so I had to on that day still go to school, So I think it was June 12th I was allowed to see it.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Can I ask how old you were at the time?
2: Oh god, I am seven? Seven. Oh, okay. Just turned yeah. seven, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... And I am stoked. And this theater has got that new surround sound, that new DTS surround sound that Spielberg invested in. And it was shocking to me. It was the first time, and I had seen, like, Batman Returns, and I think Batman? I don't really remember seeing Batman, but apparently I saw that in theaters. But I do remember Batman Returns. Saw that in theaters, and I was really excited for it, and liked those movies. at least Batman Returns. Once again, don't really remember Batman. Uh-huh. Pretty young. You were um, like four when Batman came out, right? Oh, probably younger. Eighty-nine. I yeah. so would have been three. Yeah, you wouldn't remember.
3: Oh, yeah, maybe
2: not. Yeah, I remember Batman Returns. Um, but this was the first time the cinema experience meant something to me mm. because I shook when those raptors squealed. I shook, shook. I shook when. shake Shaked. Yeah. I doth shake it. <laughs> Every step of the T-Rex's foot as you see the water shake, you could feel the rumble beneath you and it became an experience. It is why when we talked about Avengers Endgame, I wanted to give it some leeway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Jurassic Park is a good movie. It's a really entertaining sci-fi fantasy. It doesn't blow the socks off in terms of art, though, obviously. I mean, from a technical achievement, it is a masterstroke in terms mm, yeah. of, you know, sound and visual effects. effects. Yeah. effects. Um, lawyers, lawyers being eaten. Yeah. Completely changing a lawyer from the book. Like, the guy's a hero in the... Mm-hmm. Poor dude. That character got really screwed. I don't know. You he got
1: eaten so off old. a toilet. <laughs> I mean, it's we should cool all be so in... lucky to get eaten off toilets in the Steven Spielberg movies. That is true. A dream. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Tom Hanks did not have that luck in the Terminal.
1: He... Or any of the other movies that he's been in with Catch Steven me. Spielberg. There is
2: an alternate ending to Catch Me If You Can. Um, <laughs> Minotaur DiCaprio <laughs> pretends to be a dinosaur. And, the man... <laughs> and it works. Yeah. <laughs> but this was the moment where I understood movie magic in the sense of it being a full-bodied experience. It wasn't just a visual and audio thing anymore. It was like, I could see how the William Castle people felt when they went to go see the movies where they'd get shocked, mm. you know, in those old 60s horror films. you see the ghost fly around. It was just all-consuming. And it was the thing that kind of triggered, like, my love for a few years... Of just the summer blockbuster of needing to see every big film that would come out. I got super stoked for something like Dante's Peak. Which wasn't even the summer blockbuster, but Jurassic You know, it's fun, but it's not I don't even think that I don't think that's a summer movie. I think it's like a March movie. because um, a volcano comes out in April. We
1: were all in love with
2: Pierce Brosnan. But you know, this set off for yourself the fire that was like the anticipation for a film that I still have to this day right. of being excited for months and months on end of a film being an event.
1: Well, and so this would, I think, position us both and, like, Chris, you could speak to this too, maybe, in that,
2: you Being know, born four years after the film came so, out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But,
1: so, but, you know, Martin Scorsese was just kind of, like, shitting all over Marvel movies last week. And very, very trendy, trendy topic. Comic book movies and what have you. But I kind of... I guess Jurassic Park isn't a Marvel movie, but Jurassic Park is as close as closer to a Marvel movie than it is to like
2: Taxi Goodfellas, Driver yeah. or
1: Goodfellows or one of those, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's not, it's the same thing for me. It's not the, it's not like just paying a ticket, it's pretty close to
2: Mean Streets, though.
1: Yeah, pretty, it's pretty close to me, dude. Pretty close to the last patient of Christ, but um, it's basically there it's that it's that like you said like that cinematic experience and it's the reason why like i even i thought endgame was a stupid movie but like when i was watching it i was just kind of like sitting back in my seat like oh endgame like mm-hmm. looks pretty good but all i mean i thought it was really stupid. intellectually i thought it was so stupid when all the heroes came out of the sky and like were ready to fight thanos but my my body was like this is what movies are for
3: this is yeah. what movies are for. A good experience.
1: Right, and that Jurassic Park, for me too, started that whole thing. Like, where I understood, like, whoa, this is a cinematic experience. And I still, now that we're doing this podcast and I work my weird hours, I can go to the movies really frequently. And it's still, like, my favorite thing. Like, just to to go sit in a movie theater even to watch a bad movie is still like a pretty good time,
2: unless it's the Joker. Unless it's the Joker,
1: well, that was not a good time. Or it
3: Chapter Two, or it Chapter Two. Oh man, did you see it Chapter no, Two? Nobody heard things.
1: But that's the thing, Jurassic Park. It, that whole movie was designed to like draw that experience out of you. And I guess it's gone per se. I don't know though. I don't. I feel I feel I happy when I go to the movies.
2: I, I, no, I still feel like that excitement too. I don't know if it's gone. I just think we're getting older. Now, as you get older, jaded. you get you get used to it. Yeah, exactly. You get jaded, but I, I still have that excitement. Like I'm still super. I've been excited for the lighthouse. Know. for months.
1: Every text conversation we have about like an Academy Award thing, you're like unless hey, William to wins this year, it's like
2: Whoa! I don't know if that's gonna happen, buddy. Well,
3: I mean, He's
1: gotta
2: win it
3: He
1: does. One year.
2: But you know, like I still like that set the course for like excitement for me and that made film that is the thing that kind of made film invade my life that like it was the date that the excitement that yeah. everything was leading to this my world was crafted for like six months around getting to this experience no, i know that
1: exact feeling it's like it's like the the film and um it's like a like a film like inoculation you know what i mean like this is just preparing you for like the rest of your life to just kind of eat this shit up and if it's you know for i think for us it was jurassic park you know what i mean um, for
2: chris it most probably jurassic park 3 do you okay.
3: want to hear what it actually was yeah 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 yes. star wait, wars wait. episode 3 revenge of the sith <sighs> boom i was like nine at the time big star wars kid and then open you thought your like, socks off thought backflips that ends in darth vader yeah, it was cool. It was, that, was it. Yeah, you, that was I the mean, perfect way to make little, Jeff Vader. Nice, fucking Vader. Cool, a right. little better
2: than backflips with Yoda. Was that cool too, though? From like
3: episode 2? I was a little younger then, yeah. so I was just, like, I kind of was. That's what <laughs> I thought Yoda was for a while. And I grew up and I'm like, wait, that's not, that ain't right.
1: Just, me and my son just watched those movies. And it's great that Yoda went from a puppet in Phantom Menace to like computer generated cartoon. Is it great? And <laughs> Attack of the Clones because they were just like, yeah, this puppet thing is not working. Because like, Attack
2: of the Clones is still the, the best Star Wars film.
1: No, it's the worst. That's an
3: interesting... That's a
2: take. Maybe. Okay, sorry. <laughs> is, it, is it the best Star Wars film? because it, Rogue One, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> no,
1: you'd have to say Solo, Attack of the Clones. I never saw Solo. Was, but you okay. could just Good assume it's the best. Good for you. Um, no, we talked about this before, about how Attack of the Clones, like Natalie Portman's shirt just
3: kind of starts dissolving. And like the right. longer the
1: movie goes on, like the shorter her shirt gets. What keeps happening to the bottom of her shirt? See, they
3: needed that to keep the audience engaged because oh, there man. wasn't enough Christopher Lee.
2: Well, see, uh, <laughs> the reason no, actually, legitim- legitimately my favorite star well, besides Rogue One is, is actually probably Force Awakens. Just because to me, it's always been like the goofiness of it, like the the, the big space battles and big nonsense. And well, so, well I like, actually, mm. I actually liked Attack of the Clones because it's not good looking goofiness, but like no, it's it's, it's just a shit ton of it. And yeah. I was like. Okay, I'm okay with this. That
3: movie yeah. just annoys me now. You know,
2: yeah, no, I'm anything. not. Yeah, that's why. That's why I never like speak about Star Wars a lot because I'm just not a Star Wars guy. So I respect that. I don't have much of an opinion to talk about it on. Rogue One is the best one. So you right. You're goals. right in that regard. Do you want to tell
3: us the Jurassic Park story? <laughs> yes, I do. I my first memory of watching Jurassic Park was when I was in kindergarten. So the year must have been roughly 2000, 2001, perhaps. 2002, 2002, because uh-huh. I was in preschool when 9-11 happened, to date everything that's happening here right now.
4: Yeah.
3: Um, Tom was an adult. Tom was an adult. I was... In 2002, in I like, was
1: 20 years old.
3: I was That's in... Well, I'm 22 now, so how does that make you feel?
2: Somewhere um, in high school. Not yeah, somewhere <laughs> in high school. Like, <laughs> early <laughs> high I was early hey, high well, school. Good for you. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. That's so weird. So I remember watching that movie in kindergarten with my friend. I think mm-hmm. his name was Teddy. We haven't spoken much since, so I don't recall.
0: Well, maybe he'll listen. Maybe to he'll, he'll listen. i hope hoping reconnect,
3: yeah. Teddy. I missed you so much. But <laughs> um, No, I remember I loved that movie already by that point. Because as a kid, I was really into dinosaurs, as a lot of kids are. Mm-hmm. So my parents are like, what is not He just watch Jurassic Park, dude. Which in retrospect, maybe not a great idea. No, it's fine. Both my kids have seen it already. Well, I'm not saying it's, You know, I'm not going to tell you how to raise your kids, time. I <laughs> turned out just fine, as you can see.
1: Well, <laughs> but, but nothing happens. I mean, the, the, the cool thing about the <laughs> park is if, if you like dinosaurs, you understand that dinosaurs kill people. Things. So and you're then just kind of like, well, yeah. In the logic does check out. What else are they going to do? Yeah. He knocked down that building, and that guy was sitting on a toilet. He eat him. T-Rex but, is going to eat him.
3: Yeah.
2: And to be honest about seeing films as a young kid, my mom said I was ready for Halloween at six
3: years old. So I think I turned out okay. That's okay because
1: nothing happens in Halloween.
3: There's some boobies. It's well, but when you're six, are you really absorbing what that means, though? I was. I actually was like, I. I you're like, see okay, maybe. Th- no,
2: I was like, I can't. I, I'm not supposed to see these, and mm, I know okay. I'm supposed to like girls. So yeah. <laughs>
3: oh, all right, good for you, man. <laughs> I didn't know why I was supposed to like them. But you could, there was some sort of impulse. Yeah, I'm aware that I. I this, is, this is important to me. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it was it's pivotal to me, perhaps, just because I grew up with that movie, just watching it. And I did see Jurassic Park three in theaters, I believe. Mm. I hated it. I hate it still to this day because it sucks and it's bad.
1: You don't think William H Macy just should belongs in a Jurassic Park
4: movie? I don't
3: think he belongs in many movies, to be honest, other than Fargo. But that's a hot take. That's the right take. What about um? Uh, closer. Not
2: Closer. The, 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 the Cooler. The Cooler. I, I haven't seen, the cooler. seen it. Oh, he's, he's I great. In, seen it, he's great. So cooler. I can't
3: comment
1: he's on that. He's good in some Mammoth movies. State and Maine. Yeah. Good in State and Maine. Um, I'm not a big
2: State and Maine fan, but yeah. Watch The Cooler if you if you have bad opinions of William Alec H. Mace. I don't have
1: a bad opinion. Alex Baldwin have... kicks a pregnant woman in the belly.
2: But he is kind of like Michael Fassbender in that he makes really bad choices in terms of A good scores. actor with bad choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly the person I was thinking of to describe William H. Mason.
1: And do you mean the bad choices is marrying Felicity Huffman?
2: Oh yeah, I forgot that they're in a polygamous marriage. <laughs> Alicia Vikander is just like a beard for the Felicity Huffman marriage. What do you mean? He's, he's, n- he's not married actually to Alicia Vikander. He's actually Michael Fassbender and William H. Macy oh, yeah, are yeah, both yeah, yeah. married to Felicity sure, Huffman. Sure,
3: sure, sure, sure. But, perfect. William H. Macy's far less photogenic than Michael Fassbender. Oh. Get off our podcast. Oh, no, no, no. You can't say that. You can't say that, I should have coached you on the way over here. Like, don't talk shit about the movie. I'm just saying, Michael right. Fassbender can make it work. Anyway, that movie did a lot for me as a kid, just enjoying dinosaurs as, a, as I did. Um, it did a lot for me in terms of Jeff Goldblum and enjoying his brand as a human being and as an actor. Not as much as the Lost World, which is obviously the best Jurassic Park movie. Now you
2: saw you saw it in kindergarten, so we're close to a similar age. I was a little older. Samuel L. Jackson's arm being torn off—that scared the shit out of you too. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was like one and of the most effective And Also, the scare, opening jumpscare.
3: scene where the raptors in the cage. Oh yeah, and then drags I the worker could in. Not, I had to leave the room to watch it. Really, when it was on. I mean, I could watch it because it just like was intense, and also not seeing it. Was worse than seeing it. Yeah. Oh,
2: see, I was mad because I wanted to see blood. No, I'd see like I wanted. Oh, yeah. Out.
3: I guess I had to see it because if I didn't see, it, I was like, no, couldn't yeah. do it. You know, so it was weird.
2: And that's when I saw Samuel L. Jackson's bloody arm. I was like, ah, so too much, too that's much. Steven Spielberg, too much
3: for uh, kindergartners, I'm arguing because I'm looking at it now and I'm like, his arm just fucking came off, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was always perplexed by the arm. How did it get there? Cause the rap- he, put it, he put it in there. Raptors are real pieces of shit. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> it uh. was a Halloween
2: prank, one might say. Ah,
1: that's, that's the secret. Or, of
2: the <laughs> the have secret. we ever thought about this? Maybe, I'm say no. maybe Arnold <laughs> just had a prop arm and he was like, fuck this shit. I'm, I'm outta, out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe. We don't know. He <laughs> seems really capable of doing something. He's yeah. kind of a wild card. Him yeah. and BD Wong are just like,
2: fuck of Also, get let's talk B. about B. this Wong. really quick. We're not going to talk about Jurassic Park again. How? Why has B.D. Wong become the main antagonist of the Jurassic Park series?
3: Because he just did. He was the only one willing to resign. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, no, but, like, but all I of them are coming back. Yeah, like yeah. Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, and um, Laura, Laura Dern, Dern are all coming back. Laura Dern this? thinks apparently oh, that, you know, choice. this is getting directed by, you know, David Lynch. Is it? <laughs> that would be awesome. Then
3: I'm going to see it.
2: <laughs> Colin Trevor I mean, if David Lynch expressed interest, we can all agree that Colin Trevorrow would just be fired instantly. Right? I think he'd step down. He should. I mean, oh be the right no, thing to do. no, he would not.
4: I think he would.
2: He wrote once again. Writer-director of *Book of Henry* will not step down for anything.
1: Oh, poor Colin Trevorrow.
2: He will take Jacob
3: Tremblay with him. Uh, to his grave. <laughs> We're going, <with> Jacob. This time. <laughs> do you think *Jurassic* *Jurassic World* remake of *Jurassic Park*? Basically, plot point for plot point. Jurassic World two. Don't remember the subtitle. Basically, Fallen Kingdom. Thank you. Basically, this is a remake of Jurassic Lost World. Jurassic Park. Plot point for plot point. Do we think there will be a shot-for-shot remake of Jurassic Park thing, three? Because if so, no, they're migrating. They're going to be everywhere. Yeah, because that's all about true. Like... That's true. There was a the little. What is it called? Yeah. But Demon there
2: Queen was thing. the end. The the Deus the, Ex Machina of Jurassic. Park 3 was the military coming, the Marines right. coming. Mm-hmm. So, it's probably just going to be Marines versus dinosaurs. Do
1: you think okay, that they will just integrate the mist in with the Jurassic Park series?
2: That'd be pretty great. So, it's
1: not aliens or monsters. So, in other words, dinosaurs. so in other
2: words, we see a couple of dinosaurs in the background and then we just, you know, yeah. watch uh, Thomas Jane just shooting people in the head and they're going, "Oh god."
3: I hope so. I hope so. Like the Punisher movie.
2: <laughs> but except he doesn't want to shoot these people in the head. Okay, he just feels yeah. like he has to. No,
1: maybe he does. That's the secret of the whole movie. Well, that'd be a, that'd be a good twist. Yeah,
0: that'd be a
2: good twist. Um,
1: all right, anything else? Jurassic Park. No. This is this it. Is this, is this is last a last
2: opportunity. Say goodbye to
3: Jurassic Park. A good time. folks.
2: Last time we're ever going to talk about Steven Spielberg. No, no
3: it's not. No, it's not.
2: No, no,
4: no. There's several Did plans, this
3: right? movie come before or after Jaws? That's the real question. Wait, in terms of release?
2: Yeah, Jaws came out like twenty years earlier. Yeah,
3: no, this is after Jaws. What do you
2: mean on my list?
3: I meant in terms of time. I forgot Jaws was in the seventies. Yeah, Jaws
2: was nineteen seventy-five. I
3: forgot that. This
1: guy's perfect. <laughs> yeah, because you gotta get some perfect covers. Tell me everything. <laughs> right.
2: But but really quick, kudos to Steven Spielberg for for, me, re- for, make, for making saying, yeah right? making a movie that yeah. like looking that good. Yeah.
1: Todd Phillips should be so lucky.
2: All of the Jaws came out before Jurassic Park,
3: all four of them. Hmm. Damn.
2: But not the Meg, the best of them,
3: the best Jaws movie ever. Yeah. yeah. Not the Meg. Did either you guys see Forty Seven Meters Down too? I saw that movie recently. Oh god.
2: No, I have better things to do. <laughs> you did not. Like good contemplating good you. my own death.
3: <laughs> I did while I was watching that movie. So. <laughs> you were
2: gonna... just like, oh god, Stallone and Jamie Foxx's daughters in this? I'm
1: gonna contemplate my own death when I watch Underwater. And Charlie's Angels in I'm, a double feature. Um, I am
2: not going to be contemplating my death in either of those. I would be contemplating a lot
3: of things, and death is not one of them, yeah. No, I,
1: I'm gonna. it's going to be one of those things that's like just pervading the whole thing, like, no, oh, I just want to die. I why. Don't are know you, why, why, but... why are you
3: sorry? I think Kristen
1: Stewart That's real
3: No, it's just she T.J. Miller. She
1: also makes terrible choices,
3: and I'm Yes, she does.
1: I'm surprised T.J. Miller keeps getting jobs, but that's a different conversation.
2: No, that movie, this movie, that Underwater was made, like... Three years ago. Was it really? Yeah, it's like one of those three years in the bag movies.
1: It's like ages. As it ages, it gets better.
3: Movies Like a fine wine. Fine wine. All
1: right, we will be right back uh, with my number 45. I was going to preamble this. I was really counting on preambling this, but I've kind of decided I'm not going to do it. My number 45 is uh, the... 2015 slash 2016 because we were debating this before we turned the mics on. Terrence Malick movie Night of Cups.
4: I was afraid when I was young.
1: Afraid of life. One pays for it.
3: Once the soul was perfect
4: and had wings and could soar into heaven.
0: You gave me peace.
1: So majestic, so majestic. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to bother really right now with the story of Night
2: of Cups. Knight um, of Cups because it is just an experimental drama film that Well, I mean, I guess there's, like, there's
1: a there's Christian Bale plays a Hollywood screenwriter, um, and he's dates a number of women and, and was married briefly to a woman. And his father is, you know, experiencing some
2: his brother Tommy
1: issues. <laughs> Played by the unfortunate Wes Bentley. Um, no,
2: I'm
4: talking who's... about
2: Tommy Boy.
1: Oh, yeah, Tommy. Tommy! Um, They're both Brian Denny. There you go. <laughs> Brian Denny he always plays Tommy Boy's father in every movie. Um,. And he's walking around, and he's looking for stuff, and he's at a beach, and he's at a house, and he's at another beach, and then he's at a strip club, and then he's in Las Vegas, and then he's at another house, and then he's in his apartment, and then there's an earthquake, and then he's at another house, and then he's at a film set, and then he's on another beach, and um, then he's in the desert, and then um, he always has a lot of money, and he's always being talked to, and he's always um, seeing things and uh, laying down on things, and people are laying on top of him, and... uh, that's kind of the plot of the movie. It's kind of the whole movie. Um, when I saw this movie, though, I thought it was. It was. And it was interesting, Mario, that you said um, the cinematic experience when you were talking about Jurassic Park, because this um, is one of my favorite cinematic. Uh, like, recent cinematic experiences. Um, I saw it at the. Bethel cinemas. you ever go to the, you ever go to the Bethel cinemas? I
2: have never. you ever
1: go to the Bethel cinemas?
2: That's far away.
1: It is far away, but they play. It, it's an art house, like so they show movies that they don't show at freaking North Haven. If it. I'm gonna go
2: that way, wouldn't I just go to Jacob Burns?
1: No, because it's not even that far. Bethel's like just jump on 84, and it's like a half. It's like a you know how long minutes. it would take
2: me to get to 84 yeah. from here? I live in New Haven. Tom. That's true. I don't. I live next. I live right near 84. Yeah,
3: we're 84 boys. Yeah, so. so it's not so bad for us. No, it's not too bad.
1: Um. And it's just kind of tucked away in this like really nice center of center of town, because downtown Bethel is apparently very nice. It's a sweet
3: little place. They
1: do a 9.45 showing on Wednesdays, so it's very convenient for me. But when I saw this movie, I was going to the Naugatuck Valley Community College.
3: A paradise honor. And I,
1: and I was taking an American government class there, and I... Which we may talk about sooner. Uh, we'll talk about much later. I'm a big Terrence Malik fan, and um, it was the only place Native Place Native Cups was playing. And I don't know why I felt compelled. I, I like, needed to see it. I needed to fucking see it. How much did you know
3: about it before going? Not
1: out? very much. I knew it was a Terrence Malick movie. I knew all these people were in it. That's mm-hmm. really all I knew about it. And I really liked the poster. Subsequently, after seeing this movie, I've had a lot of amazing cinematic experiences at the Bethel Cinema. So I saw like First Reformed in Bethel. I saw <clears throat> the. The, my movie of the year high life in Bethel um, the great thing about Bethel is that like there's ne- when you go in the morning or like really late at night there's no one ever there it's just a couple of people right, they're really small intimate theaters It's really great um, I've had um, similar experiences to this one, like going to see Blair Witch project hmm. um, because awesome. of the nature of the cinematography, so much yeah. movement I get yeah. really intense motion sickness. Wow. But there's and we heard it in the beginning of the the podcast there's that part where the priest talks about like suffering.
3: Mm mm-hmm. that was good.
1: You know where you got you got to hold on to your suffering. It's kind of to you know to just paraphrase and teach you what's good. Um as I was watching this movie my nausea started to I kind of felt that way about how sick I was feeling. Like I was doing God's work like sitting and watching this just beautiful fucking movie. And like puzzling all of its, over all of its, I'm not even gonna say uh, mysteries because I also acknowledge that this is a very problematic film. Um, I was puzzling all over its over its vagaries. Mm. You know what I mean? Like what the hell, (laughs) what the (laughs) hell was happening at any given moment in this movie? Um, But also like the surrealist elements in it. So like, like I said, I'm a big Terrence Malick fan. It's like. It feels like Terrence Malick's most surreal movie in a lot of ways because there's parts that even though like Tree of Life you know has some interesting camera angles and it goes to that you know you know the beginning of time and you get all that heaven Jessica Chastain stuff um, it's feels rooted its aesthetic is so rooted in or its narrative is so rooted in its aesthetic that I kind of buy all those things as manifestations of of, of like your mind, or of experiencing life—you know—I mean, those are things we're going to experience. But there's things in Knight of Cups that exist outside of like the normal bounds of what I think anyone's reality is. Um, and it just blew—it blew my fucking mind. Um, and it really had became kind of a model for I think how I would think about lots of other art, like going forward, and. Specifically in the the nature of how Christian Bale, who plays um, Rick, although names all these characters have
2: names, which is really funny to think about.
4: Do and a
1: lot of times you don't—they don't say anybody's name.
3: I think we said his like twice.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't even yeah. know. Joe Latugio is only known as guest,
1: by the way, though. So so he's the, he's the one. But all the other guests, like you know, Imogen Poots is Della. Did you know that? Did you know her name was Della? No. no. I just We're was like, said. oh, Imogen Poots is in this movie, yeah. and she is fucking him up. Yeah. He wants to be fucked up, so says she, but she will not be the fucker-upper. She wants to be more than that. I'm going to kind of back off now, and I'm going to let my two compatriots here kind of jump on, and I will clarify as I go along, but suffice it to say, we are still in the brick of my list where I just i am in, I'm in love with this movie. Like, I watched it... I said to Chris on the way over here, Mario, I was like, he was like, oh, I didn't watch Jurassic Park again because I've seen Jurassic Park a million times. I was like, we just watched Jurassic Park like a month ago or maybe less, but enough time ago where I don't have to watch Jurassic Park. I know it so well. So I did watch Night of Cups two times. I've seen Night of Cups twice this week. On the same day?
3: No, 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 no. no. Oh, okay. I, I don't hate myself that, that would much. would be a lot to handle. I have I have
1: a lot of... Weird feelings about myself, but not so much that I would watch Night of Cups two times in a day. Well, um, I might try it, but I—I just—I am in, fucking in love with this movie, Mario. I'm gonna throw it to you, and I'm, I'll get this—I'll get the conversation going on Night of Cups because I feel like one person can't talk about Night of Cups. I agree, what That's impossible. You, one person
3: can't think about Night of Cups. Well, in my experience. Well,
1: we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if at the
2: end of this conversation we—we we really come up with something. So I sometimes we'll watch bits of the movies that I haven't seen before at the gym. Oh yeah, phone. I watch. So my cinematic experience of this was on my phone.
0: In the gym.
2: Yeah, I had to What jump, were you doing? Jump for I was. So I usually do like a twenty-minute warm-up before I lift of like an elevated cycle machine. Not like a cycle, but it's like a, it's kind of like a Stairmaster, but it's like elevated. Yeah, sure, 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 sure. I'll do that for like 20 minutes. I'm very off.
1: familiar with gym apparatus.
2: Um, yeah, I was, I was, was actually just that. looking up to see what it was called, and I don't know what it's called. Oh, okay. It's like a TRE machine. I don't
3: think any of us really know, so it's
2: fine. Um, and I kind of just found myself just staying on the machine. Just Yeah, you did. watching
1: it. I mean, let's clarify. I'll just interrupt. Emmanuel Lubezki does the cinematography for this, and it is fucking crazy.
2: And on my 9-inch Galaxy 10 screen, it still looked it still looked great. But it was more just... It's languishing. Not languishing, but it's kind of like a lingering ethereal sense of being. That, that you know, the Hannon-Townsend score... Kind of ebbing and flowing, mixed with that kind of like quiet, naturalistic sound design. Eventually, I just found i, I don't know what happens. Nope. In this movie. Who does? I kind of—I have my my thoughts. Does no, I mean, I stopped following the plot at mm. a certain point yeah, 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 just because yeah. I just didn't care. I mean, but felt ultimately pretty threadbare. In terms of what it's trying to do It's a little problematic in terms of I understand that a lot of the women That kind of come into his life Kind of represent more like a muse thing But it is kind of still the the women Bringing up the men sort of aspect I have have different
1: uh, opinions
2: about that Like that very thing But continue Um, But it became like a meditation Mm. for me Mm -hmm. I really just kind of felt myself Feeling good feelings Like, even when, you know, he gets his house robbed, and, you know, there's moments of dialogue, or Natalie Portman's crying because she's pregnant and doesn't Mm -hmm. know what that means, and, like, you get those few minutes of dialogue, everything just flowed so well into each other, that it's not a film for me, it's just kind of something that feels good to watch when you're just working out.
1: Huh? Interesting. It's, like,
2: it's a good workout movie for me. Huh? Because I just felt calm.
1: That's so weird. Yeah, I mean,
2: I get. I, I did I two s- hours on a I'm kind of stairish me. machine. Just because I didn't want to get off. Like you were there the whole time. Terrence Malik, if oh, okay. he heard that, would be like, "I did it.
1: I <laughs>
2: <laughs> what what is, happened? He's like cancelled it in life.
4: <laughs>
1: like, All right. <laughs> um, and I and I feel like that's that's. Uh, uh, yeah, the nature of the score. The way those kind of the sound design works, where those yeah, natural sounds just kind fantastic. of like come in sometimes, and you didn't even really, you didn't notice them that they were there, and then all of a sudden there's birds and there's waves and there's yeah. all this other stuff, um, and just the way that the camera always moving and Christian Bale is always moving and everyone, mm. no one is static through the whole thing. I, I mean, think I think the one time there's like someone just standing there, it's like when they're doing that weird picture thing with that woman's face. If, with like the black and white, oh, the feet. black yeah, and white, right and then the face it's, it's, on the front and the, and the face on the back. It's the only time that there's not like, like some swooping going on or trying to catch like you know Lubezki just a lot, just a lot of steady cam. a whole yeah. lot of steady mm-hmm. cam in this. Um, and then we'll talk about we'll talk about some women. We'll talk about some deeper some deeper
2: interpretations here. No, that's good. That's that one's gonna be hard for me. <laughs> there's just not a lot of interpretations
3: on this. Oh, I had a lot of interpretations. But, so we can happy. talk about that. Go. Um, I think that's to speak to the point you were just talking about with the woman with the paint and everything. I think that's when I knew I loved this movie.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: It was. I think it was like two minutes in, roughly. It's and very was, quick. Yeah, yeah it's, it's early. Yeah, it is very early, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, I don't know what this is supposed to mean, but I think I'm at the point right now in my life where I like things I don't understand. Yeah, and that doesn't go away. Good. Yeah. Well, that's where I've arrived recently. <laughs> so I didn't understand intellectually, but I was trying to to a great extent. But emotionally this movie was very evocative for me. Cause I think the general feeling that it produced of of um alienation perhaps or or feeling um disengaged or feeling like you're Sort of searching mm-hmm. is something I really relate to in this particular yeah. moment in my life. Yep. So, the I liked the following camera. It felt, you wanted to hear so, a hot take? It reminded me of Roma, the Caron movie. Yeah. Not because it's like it, because it's not like it at all. Because he had a lot of steady, static, distant shots. But it felt similarly voyeuristic.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah like I, guess I was I didn't get that yeah, yeah
3: like I was an observer an outside observer into this person's life more than a regular movie kind of produces, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed that, and I don't know, I liked the the style, I guess the whole style of just the disembodied kind of images. And the motion, because everything was constantly kind of moving there's also there's also cars and there's always hear yeah, something yeah. there's always hearing a car or a helicopter or a plane it's always panning to these shots of things moving and people moving, and then there's the ocean to keep returning to you know so it's like there's a searching in it that really resonated with I, I me. gotta ask you really quick though what yeah. do you what
2: do you think had better cinematography Roma
3: or this or
1: this is a trick question. So answer
3: correctly. I <laughs> feel like the correct answer is Knight of Cups. <laughs>
2: it is because yeah, Emmanuel true. Lubezki, who is his cinemat was was Afonso Cuaron's like cinematographer always. And then Cuaron's like, no, I got this. Or did, uh, did he actually did he ask for? Did he try to get Lubezki and Lubezki was busy? I don't know. I don't, but it, I don't know it, that yeah, story. It makes sense because so. With Quaron, mm-hmm. like he, all of that, who directed Roma, he right. all the stuff he did before Lubeski
3: was in cinematography. I think I've only ever seen one other Quaron movie. I think it was Gravity Quaron? Yeah. I saw that Have one. you seen Children of Men yet? Oh, yeah, I just see that one too. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Have you
2: seen Harry Potter and The Prisoner yeah. of Azkaban? He did that one too? Yeah. You know,
3: I saw that in theaters, as a yeah, matter of fact. You, yeah. I don't think Lubeski did the cinematography no, he for that. No. Well, those both were very good. Roma's fine, and Gravity sucks. That's my uh, tomorrow on side. That's the right.
1: That's opinion. fine. there no one Chil- the wait. Of children of men. Very good. Very okay. yeah. right, very good. Um, right. Opinion. But I think you're uh, you're uh, the word searching. We were, you guys are you got good words coming tonight. Good words. Thank you. I love um, words. Because that's always the thing that got to me too. And like when I was I was ne- I was not 22 when I saw it. I was so I'm 37 now, so I was 33 when I saw it. Mm-hmm. And but I still you're felt my the, age. I still felt the same way. I was just like. It's, and that's where we're gonna. That's we can talk about the women a little bit. Is that there's a poetry to this film which doesn't exist in other films. Yes, I agree. So he is literally, he's literally searching, and not Mm -hmm. just kind of like. Um, he moves from scene to scene Mm -hmm. type of thing. He moves from plot point to plot point, and and physically, he's he's always looking, always fucking looking for stuff, and it's. When I noticed it, and I didn't notice it at first, it wasn't until he was on that rooftop for no reason, which I don't even care about that stuff. I don't know about you two guys, but like how they just end up in different places. No, I was just cool like, I them. don't know where they are in, or why they're there. They're in Vegas, you know, now
3: they're in wherever. You I just are shit. kind of in it.
2: You accept yeah. it, yeah. But
1: when he's on that rooftop with Wes Bentley um, and Brian Dennehy and they're arguing about whatever and like Christian Bale's just walking around like the perimeter of the roof just looking down and you get a kind of you get a swooping look down a mm-hmm. kind of fire escape and then he looks back up and the camera's just following him around mm-hmm. that's when I kind of was like oh my god like he's actually like all the stuff that like the Bun- the John Bunyan stuff that you know the Pilgrim's Progress stuff that's in an- there an
4: interesting addition yeah I enjoyed
1: he makes this he's using this really vapid way of life to kind of articulate some of the not like the words in Pilgrim's Progress, but some of the ideas in the Pilgrim's Progress, yeah. and some of the ideas related to the to the Knight of Cups or the meaning behind the Knight of Cups. Like he's a messenger, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's he's supposed to be a highly intelligent person, um, a calm person, and he is he is he is looking for something. He is bringing a message. He is bringing like words.
3: But I read when inverted, is supposed to mean. Someone who's lost, right? Exactly. So, so that's like, the thing. So he's yeah.
1: he's trying to he's trying to draw meaning out of literally everything. Yeah. I mean, and that's the whole fucking point of this goddamn podcast mm. for me is that all of these movies, I'm when put together in this list form, create I would assume like a kind of version of myself. And Knight of Cups really kind of um, exemplifies that. I mean, there are parts of this movie, and it happens like around the Cape Blanchette time where I just kind of turn off, because like really, the Cape yeah. Blanchette stuff for some reason just like doesn't ever do it's, it to me. It's flat. It's it's, it's visually it flat,
2: and it's it's the time where the movie most focuses on. Hey, See, there it, you know, it is. There there is. Most focuses on trying to create a narrative and like a like yeah. a structure story, yeah, like a structured story to, to get a backstory in there. It
3: too. was yeah. the most predictable part, perhaps.
2: But so that's where I think the women.
1: Are, they're 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 you know they are what they are and and he's showing them how he's showing them.
3: Yeah, can we talk about that for a second? I year? think
1: metaphorically speaking, they're just an example of. So he has to, he has to he has to find something, and to find something he has to sift through a bunch of shit, and I think a bunch of the shit that he has to sift through has a lot of these expectations, like the vague expectations placed on him by Brian Dennehy, the vague expectations placed mm-hmm. on him by being Wes Bentley's brother. Mm-hmm. Which must be hard to be Wes Bentley's brother. <laughs> it can't be easy. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff based on the expectations based on his class, based on his gender, based mm-hmm. on like what his job is, Social based on what like, the lifestyle he's supposed to be living is. I think he's looking for things in these... He's supposed to be looking for happiness through women. Mm-hmm. And and he's not finding it. Do you need seven of them to, like, make this point? I don't know if you need no. seven of them to make this point. But I think the fact that at the end, the woman that doesn't get to speak ever, I think her name is Isabel. It's
2: Isabel Lucas, yeah.
1: Okay. So.
3: Star
2: of Transformers
3: something,
1: something, something. She's when he goes to the,
3: um. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. He's
1: at I that, that kind of, that him. really, that big desert house that's, like, a house and, like, fenced in and, like, right next to the fence is, like, the desert. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. So the key moment for the movie, in for me, is the end. I mean, which I guess should be the always be the key moment of the movies. My daughter's headphones hurt. Um, <laughs> the key moment of the movie end is He's 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 spending all this time like with her, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he's walking around the outskirts of this thing, and he's 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 past the outskirts. He's walking in the desert. Yeah. Then they sh- go back. They don't show him going back to the city, but we're. We know he's in the city because he's driving away from the city. We have to assume it's, it's Rick, and the Christian Bale character, and he's driving away from the city. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because we see him on, on the back, road. He's going it. back. And we have to assume he's alone because every other time he's been with a woman, we've seen him with a woman. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's figured out that this is not... He can't get there through these things. Yeah, he can't sure. get there. Again, the problematic part of this is that like... You could say that like a woman is like an ob like Terrence Malick is suggesting that women are like objects in a way where like it's just another thing. Well yeah. Uh, a woman is just like Antonio Banderas' amazingly weird party where Joe Mangiello and Jason Clark are just like it's hanging out, <laughs> out for some reason. Or is just like a st- uh, like a strip club, you know what I mean? Where it's yeah. like all these things. That was my
3: one significant objection to this movie was it felt very over sexualized at points or mm-hmm. to an unnecessary degree.
1: I think so too, and I think it was. It, I
2: think. I think it was. It's I
3: trying was, to do like a decadence thing, like yes. a hedonism yeah, aspect, sure. but it,
2: because but the I narrative, got, the know? narrative's so slight that it kind of like oh, it feels over. Yeah. Like,
3: oh, we're back in a strip club. There's another woman's ass. So like it's, cool, but it's like so long- too much.
2: Imagine trying to watch us at a gym and going, oh, fast yeah, forward. Oh my
3: god, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's like the cinematic experience for me. So like when I was watching it, I couldn't. Do anything. I don't think I've ever. I haven't walked out of a movie in a long time. And I wouldn't have walked out of this anyway. But I was just kind of. Me
2: either for 20 minutes on uh, Saturday.
1: I I was just kind of transfixed. I was just like sitting there with like a couple of other people being like, what the fuck is this? Really? What is this even supposed to be? Like, and I loved. I had already, you know, I'd seen Tree of Life obviously because it came out a few years before. I loved Tree of Life. I like. Me and Terrence Malick are like good buddies, cinematic buddies. Um, so I was ready for the things that Terence Malick does, but I mm-hmm. wasn't ready for the just overlay of metaphor and symbolism to, like, everything that's happening in this movie. Mm-hmm. And even, like, how they try to explain it with all the Bunyan stuff and, like, you know, he's trying to find the pearl and, and all that. And the
3: that's... tarot stuff and all And that, all the tarot yeah. stuff.
1: And all that stuff should be really hokey Mm -hmm. but because the cinematography is so good and because the movie is so earnest it doesn't feel
4: hokey it works
1: it really feels like a searching movie Mm -hmm. like a movie about trying to find yourself Mm -hmm. and i read a bunch of reviews that were just like oh it's so solipsistic and i was like i don't think it is solipsistic. i think it's you are putting too much credence onto what's on the screen
4: Mm -hmm. the idea
1: of this movie is to take the 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 feelings and the messages that are on the screen and um and and attach them to your own understanding of how the world works like a poem you know what I mean yeah. like a really good song like something else like you know something that's more ephemeral that's but that becomes not you know what I mean mm-hmm. that you that attaches to yourself and that's how this i mean and that's again i I feel like I'm saying this a lot like that's how this kind of podcast works to me these are pieces of Art that are supposed to last for two hours and then kind of go away, like the Joker, that have just <laughs> kind of stuck to you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you walked through a field and you got barbs on your pants, and you're just kind of like, "Well, that sucks," but like the field is, was awesome. Like marching through that field was like a cool experience.
3: Yeah, I remember you said that on this podcast once, and I wrote it down in a notebook of mine, full How... of
1: things that I've said on this podcast. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um,
3: but no, this, you this reminded me of, uh, reminded me of Jack Kerouac.
1: Yeah, it's got a little bit of a, a like a Kerouaciness. Yeah,
3: because curr- I'm currently reading um, the Dharma Bums. If you're familiar,
1: I am. I haven't read it in a long time. But...
3: Mm-hmm. And but it reminded me in in on the road he specifically uses the word pearl. To yeah, denote... Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's probably so, a Bunyan thing. I think it might be Kerouac's a smart guy. Did you
1: ever read Pilgrim's Progress? That seems like something you would have read.
3: Well, no, I never got to it. Me neither. I read it in for. I read part of it for a class. We did. We read it for that wow. for the it was for Lynch's class. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah. nothing to anyone who listens to this show. We no, no, no. are third members of the podcast. Or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, Knight of Cups, man. Uh, go. Yeah,
4: yeah. What? One
2: great thing uh, that that came from Knight of Cups though is Richard Brody's review, glowing review. Where he says, uh, Lubetsky has won three Oscars, uh, has won Oscars three years in a row. Twice for his work with uh, Arnutu, and before that for filming Afonso Cuaron's Gravity. A trio of films in which he normalizes, rationalizes, and banalizes the boundary-breaking styles they developed with Malick. Where for Arnutu and Cuaron, Lubetsky provides a mere endormant to their narrative. For Malick, he creates a new way of cinematic seating. Because Malick himself creates a new mode of directing. I just like the little shade thrown. Oh, great!
3: In. What really were easy. the uh, Inuyasha movies? Were they um, Birdman, uh, Birdman, and, the Revenant? and Revenant? Yeah, I mean, I love
2: Revenant, but Birdman and
3: not a Birdman fan.
2: Birdman and Gravity are... do not do it for me. I yeah. like Birdman. I love Birdman.
1: Birdman was kind of if we did like a one fifty one to two hundred ever, hmm. it would Birdman would fall kind of somewhere in there because I really liked it, but there's something about it that I couldn't I couldn't attach myself to. Yeah, that's I, I don't really? dislike
2: it. I just. Uh, I, I like, saw it, and it kind of, like, disappeared. I like, like certain scenes lady. of it, like, yeah.
1: a lot. Like, yeah. I think the... Um, the, Macbeth a, uh, the Macbeth scene? The Macbeth uh, scene. I think a lot uh, of the, what okay. we are, what we talk about when we talk about <clears throat> love, like, that scene, those, like, those, <clears throat> the play scenes with Edward Norton, I think are really mm. kind of, um, were really powerful. But there's a bunch of other scenes that I'm just kind of like, Bleh. But, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. So, I mean, Roger Ebert kind of said something similar about Um, Tree of Life which is like one of the last like rapturous reviews he ever wrote I mean Tree of Life kind of defined the nature of existence for him for like you know a long time it's like one of his most famous pieces um but I mean again and Song by Song would come out like a year later and that movie kind of stinks um and I, The Hidden World, I'm, ex, I'm excited for The Hidden World. I don't know what it's
2: All 173 be. minutes of it? I don't know what it's going to be. Ooh.
4: But I'm,
1: the thing, I'm, I'm ready for that experience. And I, I want, I'm always, I'm open to those experiences. Except when those experiences are, so, are to the wonder or song by song. And I have to close down in the middle of them and just be like, yeah, this is this is fine. It makes me sad that Ryan Gosling and him can't work together. But
3: maybe they can't.
2: But Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Christian Bale works great. Christian
3: Bale was phenomenal in this movie. Christian Bale is good, even though he spoke like twice perhaps on screen.
2: Wes
1: Bentley was not good. No,
4: is, is he? We're,
2: in... we, yeah, really? Like has Wes Bentley ever blown our socks off?
1: Oh, he was okay in American Beauty.
2: Mm.
1: He was okay. He did his job. He was okay. He, in did, his he did his was. job. He was. If you are, West, <laughs> <laughs> you are West Bentley, and you want to tell us how we're wrong,
4: please tweet. <laughs>
1: There was a really excellent essay to be had by thinking about Night of Cups, so. There is. Anything else? You got No,
4: Uh, no, no. Good Uh, movie. uh.
3: Gonna watch it again.
1: There you go. I did. Um, Do it. Do the thing.
3: If you
2: want to watch Night of Cups again, you can watch it on a streaming service. If you want to talk about it, that. I don't think
3: you can actually. I
2: looked. No, for I, it. it's you not on. Like, you can like rent
3: it on like Amazon. That's like, what yes, I like, did. $2. I got I it from Jeff yeah. Bezos for three bucks. There you go. Not a good call, but you bought it directly from Jeff Bezos. I bought it from personally <laughs> yeah. from Jeff. That's, okay, that's
2: that's a tr- that's a good choice you made. I, Thank you. I various. I looked at various websites and then completely legally watched it. Completely legally. Um, if you. <laughs> want to talk about legal options of watching movies you can tweet us at twitter.com slash film pivotal
1: or you can send us an email at pivotalfilmpodcast@gmail.com. podcast at com, uh or you can go to our website pivotalfilm.com com, uh where there's a list of the movies on our list and a list of the beers we drank and how to subscribe to our podcast and how to get to twitter if you don't know how twitter works and that's it other things there's some other things but they don't matter right now um all right uh, until wh- not until whatever well, there's no there's no more movies coming out that we care about for a while I um, mean
2: there are but like they're not not, in major not directly roles. like next like next week we're going to have a couple small reviews because yeah. unfortunately Parasite not only getting a New York LA release initially we're I mean, not talking
3: about Charlie's Angels we can too is that not sweet. next week? I it was like, no this
2: is this is, this is this is Gemini week man uh, oh Jesus, no, 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 not there's, there's nothing worth talking about. about yeah go see uh, a movie drink
1: a beer